0: Sequence start in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Control, we have liftoff. You are listening to the synergy between faith in Jesus and everyday life. Hidden somewhere in the Canadian wilderness, this is The Turnaround. Hello and welcome to The Turnaround. I'm Dwayne Gabert. I'll be your host. And today we're going to talk about how God isn't going to judge anything because he's got all of us to do that. Okay, not exactly, but uh, we are going to get into this. Podcast number five. Thanks to you guys who have been listening and checking out The Turnaround podcast Happy to say that we did break a 100 uh, listeners, and that's uh, pretty cool. We didn't expect it to get growing that fast. So that's uh, really exciting stuff, and thanks for listening. You can uh, make contact with us by uh, getting us to us by email, and that's the Turnaround PC stands for podcast, or we need to turn around from PC, but theturnaroundpc at gmail.com. It's a great way that you can uh, reach us. So we want to thank you for listening again. Uh, Happy to have our first uh, sponsor of the show, which is uh, really exciting. And uh, that's Jack and Johnny's uh, Spicy and Smoky Texas Barbecue. Uh, Go and check out uh, their barbecue. It's uh, pretty awesome. You'll have to get to the States to get that food. But uh, boy, those boys can cook up some great smoky barbecue. So uh, thanks a lot for um, that initial sponsorship. All right. I want to talk about uh, something that has kind of been on my heart a little bit uh, just the last little while, especially As I notice how deep the divisions are happening with really what is happening, I would say, out of the second heaven, a formidable, unique, never-before-seen worldwide attack that is happening. Uh, You may think I'm talking about a virus. I'm not. I'm talking about the effects of the overall situation that we find ourselves in. And, That needs to be addressed because, again, our very first podcast was when you see these things happening and we start sliding into what looks like we could be really, really in the very end of days here um, and ready for Jesus to come back. I'm ready for Jesus to come back anytime. I am happy for it. At the same time, I want to prepare like uh, we still have time, but more and more, uh, I am wondering and just just hoping, actually, because it is a great hope for Christians to have the Lord return and actually be the ruler of this world. And we will get into a bunch more eschatology. I don't want to slide into all of that. That will be the next podcast. I will take my best shot at what I think is actually happening. There is something called the Accusation of the Brethren, that is really, really turning my guts inside out when I watch some of these different things. And it's everybody making commentary on everyone. And on the Turnaround podcast, if you hear a name, it's going to be someone put in a positive light. And that's really what uh, I want this thing to be. The sons of thunder are James and John, two disciples of Jesus And if you want, Peter is always the one who gets the attention for kind of like, you know, impulsive behavior. Uh, Peter is the disciple who walks on the water. He's the one who pulls out a sword and cuts off a soldier's ear. Uh, He does wild and wacky stuff uh, all the way through. And he's kind of, if you're one of those impulsive people, there's good news. God uses some of those impulsive people. But uh, second and third place, gotta go to James and John, the sons of thunder, because even though they are walking with Jesus, even though they are right there as one of the 12, the inner circle, John, even the the disciple who uh, he describes himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. And when you take this whole thing and look at the sons of thunder, uh, they make some incredibly dumb decisions, and they say some incredibly dumb things uh, when you consider that they're walking with the Lord himself. Now, if that sounds condescending to Brother James and Brother John, while I just said we shouldn't be accusing the brethren, what I'm really trying to do here is not to accuse them, but I want to put us all in the same boat. You see, I have a feeling there's a lot of Christians listening to this podcast, and I really hope that this would actually go out to people who are trying to figure out, how does Jesus fit into my life, or if you've gotten away from God, or if you just really don't understand the whole meaning of the cross and what Jesus did for us, I'm really hoping that um, the podcast will uh, find a way to those kinds of listeners, because that's so important. Here's the thing. With Christians, a lot of times they get a rap from people because um, they are called hypocrites. The reason that they're called hypocrites is because they usually, if you look at a person hard enough, you are going to find some inconsistency in their life, and especially when you're claiming the cause of Christ and his values and things that he taught and the life that he lived, and you're trying to emulate that. Guaranteed, anyone can have a look at you, a close examination, maybe not even that close of an examination, and they can find something that is inconsistent with the teachings of Christ. The problem that Christians run into is that we like to get this thing where we decide because we are saved that we have become good. And that is where I come from. That is primarily what I was taught. And there is truth in the scripture about how we can daily overcome the things of the flesh which is our sin nature and if you want in a three-letter word our bad our badness seven letters and it's overcome by the goodness of God where Christians get confused is if they start thinking just because they're saved that now their sin nature is sort of dealt with like a one-time act and that they don't have to work out their salvation anymore and that they now have a nature that's actually prone to do the good. A lot of people who fall into that kind of thing, here's, here's where they come off as hypocritical because all of us on the planet, we are like the th- sons of thunder, like James and John. And that is that we are actually bad. We're not good. As long as you're in your flesh and you are not in a perfected, glorified body, you're still living inside of that flesh. And that means that this is a daily occurrence, a daily process that we want to move from where we are to someplace else. Everyone is somewhere between being destined for hell and being perfected in Jesus. If you're alive, you are not yet in hell. You are here. You have an opportunity to turn your ways and to give God um, just basically that place in your life where you're accepting of the sacrifice that he made, but it will not make you perfect. There is a road that you have to walk, and that is towards the ways of Christ, the teachings of Christ, the mannerisms, the lifestyle, just God's ways. And as you do that, you do move towards perfection. But I don't believe on this planet you get there. And for me, it's easier just to, even for myself, to identify that I am constantly in a process. But while we're in this process, it's amazing how harsh people can be where they take a snapshot of somebody or something, or I like to say it this way, that they have a photo album of your past. And then those people are going to bring out a measuring stick and they're going to figure out if you measure up on the goodness scale, on the righteous scale. Um, and Christians love to use that ruler. There's a problem with that, though. There is no ruler. The ruler is Jesus, And it says that our righteousness is actually as filthy rags, but we are made righteous in Jesus Christ. Some people get so tied up and worried about, well, when they stand before God at the end and it comes down to a judgment, there's going to be this, let's say you live 70 years. There's going to be this 70 year long videotape that everyone has to watch. Get bored out of your mind, number one. Number two, um, find out every stupid thing that you ever did. Find out every time you were tempted and you lost. Find out every time you were tempted and you won, because it is not a sin to be tempted, but sometimes, obviously, we are tempted. And it is amazing how just a quick snapshot will cause people to think that they can come and judge. And God does warn us against that, But some people love to take scripture out of context context, and just say simply, God says don't judge. Well, that's not what he said. What Jesus really says is that you have to be careful because you are all in this process. Now, let's go back to the sons of Zebedee, James and John, because they say some pretty crazy stuff uh, in the scriptures. And it actually, I think, is a little bit entertaining because... Um, it seems like they're sort of some of the people who get chewed up by Jesus sort of on a regular basis. Check out what James and John do in Luke chapter nine. Uh, in this passage before it, uh, Jesus is doing some amazing thing. He's casting uh, demons out of a out of a boy. Uh, there's um, this transfiguration that happens. Um, Jesus is predicting his death. I mean, it's a lot of stuff is coming down right now. And this is what it says, starting in verse 51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead and went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was headed for Jerusalem. And here these guys go. Watch this. When the disciples James and John saw this, they said, "Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them?" And Jesus turns and rebukes them, and then they headed off to another village. These guys are like, uh, "Hey, the Lord didn't get a good reception there, and so how's about we, you know, hey, you and you and us, how about we call down fire and just like just like destroy them?" and obviously Jesus is coming on his mission to save the world and he's like you guys haven't even figured it out yet you're you're you want me to bring fire down this is not the time to bring fire down on a group of people I am about to save the whole world and these are the kind of crazy things that um, these two uh, sons of thunder did the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons she's got her boys in tow okay they're they're adults and she's like okay You follow me in. I'm going to kneel down. You kneel down too. And they kneel down to ask him a favor. And Jesus says, what is it you want? And she said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. And then he says, can you drink? The cup that I'm going to drink, talking about, you know, his death and his resurrection glory. He says, and they say, we can. And Jesus says, it's not for me to tell you who's going to sit at my right hand or my left hand. Now, follow the logic here. Where is Jesus right now? He sits at the right hand of Father God in the throne area of heaven in Revelation chapter 4 and that's where you can find him when a mother says "Um, hey I would like to uh, I would like to actually sit um, one of my boys to the left of you she's actually saying "Um, I would like one of my boys to sit in the place of God the father like come on like wife of Zebedee um, I'm not sure if we know her name or not, because. Uh, but it's just like, you've got to be kidding me. How can you even possibly ask that? We do dumb things because we don't realize that we're all on this journey together. And in the middle of that, what happens is I'm seeing Christians under the pressure of what is happening on the earth, under the division that is happening in the world right now, and I'm seeing them Absolutely, behave badly, because they will go to this place where they do these things, where they're they're bringing the accusation against the brethren. Now you're saying, how does that exactly come out of the story of the sons of thunder? It's because some things are so simple and clear that it's like you can't believe that we could miss it that badly. But with the accusation of the brethren, we do miss it that badly. I have seen tons of people on YouTube and other podcasts and things like that. And I see Christian people calling other Christian people out on this and that and the other thing. And it's just like, listen, are there concerns or is there a possibility that anybody who becomes like a, a star, a light in the, the whole gospel thing, in the Internet, in the whatever... It's like that um, they can be preaching one thing and something else is going on. Of course that happens. And of course it's not right. It's like you can live a double life. That's the hypocrite part. Or you can think that you are so good that you don't need God's grace for your life anymore and you don't need that help anymore. And that's where it begins to fall apart. I have lots of scripture I want to get to just to back that up. But here's my point. You cannot go after someone who is one of the brothers and sisters in Christ. You don't, it, the Bible is explicit about that. It is wrong to do that. And I've seen it done in such a gross way where it's like, well, I'm really on my channel so that we can see um, how progressively um, left this person's theology is. And I think now they're on their way to hell. So we're just making a call out for prayer for them. Well, you know what? If you don't know them, you can still pray for them. And I guess that's helpful in a way. But if you're putting out your whatever on social media and you've got 100,000 followers and none of those people know that individual who you think needs help, you don't understand how it works. The way that it works is that where you have relationship that is your doorway to guard one another to challenge one another and yes it's true uh, love has a lot to do with challenging sometimes headbutting and any of you who are married you will know about that the idea that love has no conditions another podcast the idea that God doesn't put a uh, a lot of, if you do this, that's, this will be a result. But if you don't, you will have a completely different result. That is all over the scripture, completely. And I am wanting to shout out a call because I'm not hearing it anywhere. And that's that we can't do this super dumb stuff. And I mean, in a way, it's kind of cute when the mother says, hey, come along, one of you, you can, maybe we'll see if you can uh, sit in the spot of the father in heaven. I mean, she's not being malicious. She's just being, she's completely naive about that setup, about what that actually looks like. And that's why Jesus says, you know, it's like, you don't even know what you're asking. And in the same way, when we are, as Christians, going after one another, it's, I'm telling you, Almost all the time, especially when it is through these social media things and stuff, when people can be so tough, when they they can be so brave by text, where they would many times never be that brave face-to-face because the person who you want to go and say something dumb about might actually have a backbone to stand up to you. I actually had one where somebody who apparently was in my youth group and I honestly can't place the person, to be honest. I I don't even, I don't even, I kind of know the name, but it's kind of can't remember. And I got this diatribe because they saw a picture that someone else had posted of myself, my wife, and two other ministry couples. We had a little minister's conference, little accountability thing, and we got together in Las Vegas. And... We took a picture in front of Trump Tower. I guess this person wasn't a supporter of Trump, which is neither here nor there. And this person uh, basically said, I can't believe I saw a picture of my former youth pastor on in front of Trump Tower. As though I had killed somebody. Actually, I'll tell you what the meeting was about. The meeting was about, you know what? President Trump is the president And we want to pray for the president, and we want to pray for the nation. Why don't we go down to Trump Tower, and let's go and pray inside of Trump Tower? And that's exactly what we did. That's what we were doing. I care for the United States. I care for Canada. And um, there's a couple other nations that are, are near and dear to my heart, especially. But the thing is, we went down there to meet those other couples that was their nation. They were ramping up to an election. They wanted to pray for their nation. And we said, yeah, let's go down there. And we went inside a Trump Tower and we prayed for the nation. Whether or not you agree with this politics, that's not my point. To pray for someone, to pray for leaders, that's biblical. And yet you have someone who like comes at you like that. And this is the stuff that can happen because why? Because of a snapshot that they don't agree with. What about the snapshot of when you actually said something stupid? What, what about the snapshot when, you know, um, you were having a difficult time for yourself and stuff? Where is the grace, Christians, for one another? We all want grace for ourselves, but we're so weak at giving grace to one another. And here's the real deal. When you stand before God, God is not going to ask you what anybody else said. God is not going to ask you what anyone else did. He is going to know already what you did. But be of good cheer, because if you're a Christian, your judgment is not for your punishment. Your judgment is only for your reward. There is some who will have a greater reward. There will be some who have a lesser reward. And it says that those come to us as a crown. And it also mentions that there will be a time when Thanks for the reward, Jesus, but comparing to having you in our lives and what you did for us, we can just cast these crowns down at your feet and that would be just fine. That's what it is actually supposed to look like. Hey, listen, Jesus wants your life. If you don't know him, he is not a judgmental person. I am sorry, I can't tell you that Christians aren't many times, but we're not to be. We are to be supportive of one another and yeah, you can come to Jesus as you are and he will take you, but you have to know something about him. He will not leave you there. He will take you from where you're at and he will move you forward because he loves you that much and there is a process and he wants you to be more like him because as you become more like him, as you come become deeper into his word, you become more and more like Jesus, you get more peace, you get more blessing, you get more hope, you get more life And all of this junk that is coming down, it's like, you. yes, it's dividing people like crazy, but many times it's dividing people because they're not actually after the same Jesus, the last podcast. The only reason that we haven't encountered God's judgment at this time in history is because of what it says in 2 Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Jesus did a mighty, mighty work for us, and his salvation is for all who will receive it. All who are able to say, yes, I want that gift from God, but that gift from God Although God wants to take you and he wants to change you and reform you into something much more beautiful than where he starts you at, your salvation will never be anything but a gift. It's a gift from him. It's not something that you can earn. It is not something that you can ramp up to. That's your effort to get to God. You don't need that. God's already made a huge effort to get to you. You know the question, how can a loving God send people to hell? The real question should be, how is it that God is able to send anyone to heaven when we all deserve hell? You see, we're not good. We're bad. By our nature, we are bad. It starts young and early. And if you haven't seen the Charlie bit my finger video, that might give you a clue. And of course, I'm being a little bit silly, but it's just like, you know that that nature, that sin nature comes up in us before we're radically sinning as children, because that is the nature we are left with from basically what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. You cannot take four words out of the Bible, out of context, and just say, thou shalt not judge. It's one of the most quoted short sections of the Bible, but it is not taken in context. God tells us that we are to be noticing and discerning what is going on. He is telling us in other passages of Scripture that we are to judge properly. I think that's John 7. You know, a judgment is sometimes a very simple thing. If I see a tree and it has oranges on it, obviously that's not in Alberta, but in BC or something, I can pretty much with confidence say, that's an orange tree. Now, I might have to go and pick an orange and kind of rip the skin off it and, you know, taste it. And it's and if it tastes like an orange, it looks like an orange and it's dripping off of a tree. That's an orange tree. That's a judgment. It's a judgment call. And the thing is, it is not saying, hey, you know what? We just stay out of everybody's business. But this stuff where we're doing it online and when we're doing it by distance and um. All the, all the brave cowards coming through the internet who love going and just like ripping people and stuff because all they're doing is punching into their phone. It's just like, don't do it as a Christian. It's not becoming to us. Now, does it mean that there's times we don't have to make some judgments about our relationships? Does it mean that sometimes we don't have to lay a boundary? Yes, sometimes you do. Sometimes you get into that Luke 17 area and it says, pay attention to yourselves. If a brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Did you notice it says, if he repents, forgive him? And if there's no repentance, then forgiveness is actually, okay, I'm going to let you go and you and God are going to have that out. But this is not going to be okay in the relationship because I don't treat anybody like that and I'm not going to be treated like that. That can happen. I'm not saying that there isn't a time in with real people who are in your real life where you have to confront each other or where you have where iron sharpens iron to be honest the best friends that I have in my life we've probably all banged heads like that. Because it creates depth if you can work past it. If you can see the the portion of what you have done wrong and what you've been incorrect in, even if yours is 3%, if it's 90%, just humble down and say, Yeah, I'm the man. That's how you do it. But God makes a way so that we can have a good conscience and that we don't have to have a snapshot taken of us, which then someone can use to slander us because we are all flesh. We are all being perfected, but this takes time. And along the way, we will make mistakes. We will do things wrong and our nature is still bad and it has to be overcome daily by running and, and living by the spirit. And that is not a one-time occurrence. That is not a monthly shot that you get. That is a daily occurrence. That is a daily fight until we are glorified And we have a reward in heaven. I want to end this podcast by just summarizing this area of accusing our brothers and sisters in Christ. When we deal with one another, there are mechanisms for us to do that. There are times where we have to confront each other, but it's not to accuse one another. We have to remember that everyone is in a process, and we're all in different parts of that process. While we are saved, the enemy would still love to destroy us. He'd love to confuse us and ultimately deceive us. And we have to remember, we love to have grace given to ourselves, but we are often lousy at giving it to each other. If we spot danger in each other, if someone spots danger in me and says, hey, I see trouble for you, I need that brother in my life to speak that truth in love to me. And I hope that I would have the guts to do it for them as well. Sometimes when you see sin in someone, when you see pain in someone, there's those moments. And you know, when um, Cain murdered Abel, even all the way back to the beginning of Genesis, and he says to God, am I my brother's keeper? The answer is, yes, you are. We are each other's keeper. We have to be careful about what we're aligning ourselves with because the scripture is very implicit about what that is when we are accusing our brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, I'm not talking about those who would be serving a different Jesus. I'm not talking about those who have a completely different message. I'm talking about brothers and sisters in Christ, and that we have to discern. But in Revelation chapter 12, starting at verse 10, it says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows his time is short. Let's see to it to make sure that we are not the kind of people who are agreeing with the enemy of our souls in accusing one another. But let's be people who understand the forgiveness that we've attained through Christ, and that would be a turnaround. Thank you for listening to the podcast. God bless you as you go through your week and your day i hope this has been an encouragement to you and if you have a chance share the podcast with someone i'm pastor Dwayne. thanks a lot for listening